0: And I would invite you to open up your Bibles to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we will be considering verses 6 through 9. But in order to get a fuller context, we'll read from verse 1 to verse 9. That's 1 Peter chapter 1. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let us pray. Our blessed Father, you who have caused your spirit to Give us this word. We pray that as we hear your word, we may be nourished and strengthened and encouraged to continue to place our hope and our trust in our Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that these words would be recorded deeply in the deepest recesses of our souls, that we may draw from them uh, many times in the days to come. We pray these things through Christ. Amen and amen. The Apostle Peter here in this letter is writing to a people whom he calls elect exiles who no longer feel at home in their homeland. The people he is writing to probably grew up, in these regions mentioned, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And if you were to talk to them, they would most likely speak fondly of the regions from which they come from. They would probably speak about their local customs and how they celebrate their anniversaries or birthdays. Or they'll speak about the regional flavors as they do their particular cooking. If you would talk to these people, you would come to understand that they seem like normal, everyday citizens of Asia, minor. But if you would probe deeper, they would tell you that they are afraid. They would tell you that they don't feel at home anymore. Their identification with Christ has caused them to be viewed by the culture as enemies of the state. They are afraid to speak the truth and they are no longer freely offering the hope of the gospel in Jesus Christ. They believe that one thing they say that is not endorsed by the popular orthodoxy will land them in prison whether that be physical prison or metaphorical prison. And because of their circumstances, they are being, they, feel, they feel that they are being treated with suspicion. They feel isolated. And it doesn't matter how many times they have tried to nuance their message, it seems always to come across as offensive. They are reminded every day that they don't belong. They are not at home anymore. They feel as though they are sojourners in a foreign land. And in this sense of alienation and often shame, they feel like they are losing their joy. Dear Christian, have you ever felt that way? Do you feel that way? How can you have joy when moments are hard, particularly when the culture in which you live in hates you? Maybe today that is not your experience. Maybe you're not feeling the hostility of the culture. But regardless, in this life, you will encounter dark days and the question is, how do we have joy when everything around us seems so joyless? Peter is going to encourage these brothers and sisters in Asia Minor later on in his letter to them to live a holy life, to submit to ungodly rulers, to suffer for righteousness' sake. And the question is, how? How will they do that? How will they have joy when all things seem to go, be going against them? This morning in our verses, Peter shows us that we can experience joy no matter our circumstances. We can be joyful in the midst of joylessness. And how does he do this? Well, he tells us three things. One, our joy is invincible. Two, our faith is being vindicated. And three, our circumstances are not permanent. Let us take up our first point. He shows us here that our joy is invincible. Since we have invincible joy, we are able to rejoice despite our temporary circumstances. In the verses that we are considering this morning, verses 6 to 9, Peter is encouraging the readers of this letter, both the first, first century Christian and us, to always, to, he's reminding us that we have joy no matter our circumstances. And what is interesting is as you read this letter, Peter doesn't start off with the command. Peter doesn't command the readers to rejoice he states that they rejoice as a stated fact Peter says you rejoice you rejoice presently currently at this time and he tells them that they have a joy that's invincible and you say well how is this joy invincible well in order to answer that question it's referring to In this you rejoice. In what? Well, commentators are split on this issue because grammatically there are two options. Either Peter is referring to the content of verses 3 to 5, or he's only referring to the last phrase in verse 5, the last time. In other words, the Christians were to rejoice now, or through the blessings that they have enumerated in verses 3 to 5, or they rejoice knowing that they're going to have full salvation at the appearing of our Lord Jesus. And I think that it's referring to both. Because the promises that are enumerated in verses 3 to 5 have implications for now, and they're going to be fully manifested in the future. What are these promises? Promises. Well, look at verse 3. He says, Peter praises God because of his great mercy. And in God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to what end? It is to a living hope, to an inheritance that is imperishable. Notice these. Adjectives, it's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And that will, that inheritance, though we possess, now will be fully manifested in the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why we can have joy and why our joy is invincible. The reason our joy is invincible is because it's not sourced in anything on this earth. Our joy is invincible because it's sourced and nourished by God's eternal promises. And because our joy is anchored and sourced in God's promises and his salvation to be revealed at the last time, we can have joy. Our promises aren't under the dictates of Congress or the president, or the governor, or the mayor of this city. Our promises are secured in heaven, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. God's promises are secure. This is what Paul is alluding to when he says in Romans chapter 8, Paul says there, no, in all these things... In the difficult things, and the afflictions of life, we are more than conquerors. Notice the invincible language he uses. Through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I had an experience this past summer when I did my internship in Southern California. I was in the San Joaquin Valley. And uh, prior to the beginning of this year, before getting the many rains that they got, uh, the region where we were at, well, the whole state of California was under a severe drought. And the drought was noticeable. But what's interesting is that we stayed in a home, and where we stayed, you can look out the window. We were in the middle of an almond orchard, and we can see the trees, the almond trees, all uh, beautiful, lush, and green. And the question is, how can these trees flourish when there is a drought occurring in the region? And if you... Traveled up and down that region, you would see orchards upon orchards, all lush and green. And the reason why is because of the irrigation system in place. The source for their nourishment wasn't dependent on the weather. It was they had secure, a secure source of a water supply so that these trees could stay. Nourished, and so it is also with us we our source of joy isn 't determined by the circumstances that we face in this life. yes they 'll be hard, yes they 'll be trying, but we can have, and we do have invincible joy because our joy is sourced in what God has promised to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and we can take that to the bank. This morning, maybe you have found yourself joyless at times. Could it be that you have misplaced the source of your joy? Again, our joy is not determined by who will occupy the Oval Office in 2025. It's not who will control Congress or who the governor is, it's not determined by the next health report or the balance of our 401k. It's not determined by you fill in the blank. Our source of joy is in God's immovable promises. And therefore, we can have joy. Our joy, dear brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus is invincible peter not only tells us that our joy is invincible but he says that our faith is being vindicated and he says this in verse six and seven he says look at back at the verse six in the middle of verse six now if necessary you have been grieved by various trials peter then gives a reason for the trials. He says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Why are trials necessary? The trials that you and I endure are necessary because as we endure them, uh, your faith and my faith are being vindicated. In other words, the genuineness of our faith is being revealed. It's being shown. Peter uses a fiery example and he says, gold is tested and tried by fire. And the more the gold passes through the fire, the more it's revealed to be genuine. The more it's revealed to be, uh, the, the, the more it, it, it's shown not to be fake. The same is for our faith. The more we endure momentary sufferings, that accompany our lives as sojourners and exiles, the more our faith is proved to be genuine. This is something similar to what James argues for in his book in the second chapter, verses 14 to 26. There, James says, what you do shows the genuineness of your faith. Peter says here, what you endure shows the genuineness of your faith. When you endure and don't succumb to the temptations and to the trials, your faith is proved. It's being proven to be genuine. But you might ask, why does my faith need to be vindicated? Why does it need to be shown to be genuine? Well, it's because just as James says that worthless faith is dead, Peter here is in a sense saying that endurance-less faith is dead. It's not true faith. Faith that is not being vindicated is not genuine faith. So we rejoice because soon... That faith will be finally revealed to be vindicated. And what will it result? Well, he tells us it will result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is language reminiscent to when Jesus speaks about the parable. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. We will be recompensed. and. The people who were the recipients of this letter were often shamed and ostracized. And notice the contrast. Now they're being shamed. Now they're being ostracized. But soon they will be praised and they will receive glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We can have joy in the midst of our difficult circumstances because our faith is being vindicated and it will be shown to be true. Now, Peter's not speaking abstractly here. Peter knows what it's like for his faith to be tested as though by fire. On the night of our Lord's betrayal, we read about Peter's ordeal where he denied the Lord three times. However, in Luke 22, we read the gracious words of our Savior to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brother. This is what Peter is doing now, strengthening his brothers and sisters in Christ because he knows what it is to have his faith endure trial. And because our Lord Prayed for Peter's faith, we can rest assured that he's praying for our faith. We have a great high priest on high who's ever living to intercede for us. Our faith will endure. And we can trust that our Savior is pleading on our behalf. While we might might we might suffer painful trials and tribulations, and, and although We might look like fools for the suffering that we are enduring. Peter tells us that this will not result in shame. We will not be laughed at at the last day. The last day won't mock us. The last day will say, well done, good and faithful servant. We will be praised for enduring. So we can rejoice Because our joy is invincible, we can rejoice because our faith is being vindicated, but we can also rejoice because our circumstances are temporary. Look again at the beginning of verse 6. Peter says, now for a little while. That means that the trials are now and for a little while. They are temporary. Our trials and moments of difficulties are temporary, unlike the promises that are imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Our trials are fading away, but our promises aren't. Our trials are being dissipated like fog under the heat of the sun, but Our joy in Christ is not being dissipated, but it's constantly being nourished by our good God. The reason that we can rejoice in the midst of suffering is because we know that our suffering is passing away. It is only temporary. Now, this does not negate the present sorrows and hardships. Don't get what I'm saying is that Peter is telling us to take these verses as some sort of spiritual ecstasy. Peter understands that the suffering is real. He is not dismissing the pain. He is not saying gloss over the pain. He understands the pain. He has felt the pain. And he is being empathetic to his readers. He is merely trying to help them understand that as it hurts, that they can overcome this difficulty by placing their hope not on the things of this world, but on the promises that they have in their Savior. And that is what we must do, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. As we endure, it's hard, it's painful, it's difficult. But as we look at the... Promises that we have, we are strengthened to endure. So, we can endure because our joy is invincible, because our faith is being vindicated, because our circumstances are temporary. Our trials are temporary. But that's not the only thing that is temporary. He says that our faith is temporary. Look at what he says in verse 8. It says, though you have not seen him and you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him. Notice he is saying, in other words, though you have not seen him, never seen him in the past, and though you don't presently see him now, you both love and believe him. The believers were experiencing inexpressible and glorious joy because they were placing their hope in their Savior. And why does Peter say this? Because he is trying to help us understand that we, for the moment, must live by faith. We can't live by sight, at least not yet. Soon faith will be turned to sight. But until now, we must live by faith. If you read the book of Revelation, what you, the phrase that you constantly read again and again is, I saw, I saw. But that will happen at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Until then, we walk by faith and not by sight. I remember that... A church that I attended back in Ohio, the building of that congregation had a a portion of the basement was very dark, and sometimes we had to go in there uh, and closer to the middle of the room, there was a light with a pull string. But because it was so far from the door, you would have to get to that light with a pull string with a flashlight. so you would go in there with a flashlight, get to the light with a pull string. Pull the string, and the light would be on. And what would you not need after that? You wouldn't need the flashlight. And so is our faith. Now, as we're journeying through this dark and joyless world, we have a flashlight. But soon, the, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, we will behold the glorious truths and promises that God has extended to those who have believed in His Son, Jesus Christ. Soon, faith will become sight and the genuineness of our faith will be found to be genuine and it will be commended and it will result in praise and glory and honor for every individual Christian who has placed their hope not on the things of this world but on the promises of their God. But until then, faith Is necessary. This morning you might be here and you don't know this joy. You have not placed your hope in Christ and therefore you find yourself without joy. You find yourself only looking at temporary earthly things on which to find joy in. And undeniably those things are leaving you empty and desiring more. This morning, there's a gospel call. If you have not placed your hope in Jesus Christ and you want to experience a joy that doesn't fade away, that doesn't, that is not under the dictates of our culture, that is anchored in God's promises, I invite you to place your hope in Jesus Christ this morning. Place your hope in the God who, in an effort to be reconciled to sinners, gave up his his son, made his son to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might be found to be righteous before him. That is the offer that is given to you this morning. But for those who have placed their hope in Christ Jesus, Rest assured, you have invincible joy. Your faith is being vindicated and your circumstances are temporary. We have, seen, we have reason to continue to experience joy in the midst of, most, of the most dark and gloomy days of our lives. And the reason for that is because our joy is not grounded in temporary fading and passing things. It's not grounded on the things of this earth. We rejoice because we can rejoice. We have been born again, and we have a right standing before, Christ, before God through Christ Jesus, and we have been adopted into God's family freely. Now we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. So we rejoice when we don't understand our circumstances. We rejoice when we are misunderstood or mistreated. We rejoice because great is our reward. Therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, we have joy even in the midst of circumstances that are joyless. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you because you have revealed yourself by your word and that word has been preserved for us for the edification of our souls and I pray father that that word would be uh, a source of encouragement as we journey through this world that is often at odds with the priorities of the gospel I pray that we in the midst of our most difficult moments in life May remember that we have an invincible joy, that our faith is being vindicated, and that our circumstances are only temporary. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.